With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Olay Speaks Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 173. And this one, well, if you thought last week we were in a good mood, I don't know about the mood this week, my friend. So first, as always, if you want to listen to previous episodes as well as catch all of our future episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Please feel free to help us with the algorithm gods and give us a five-star rating. And if you'd like, also write us a review. So much to talk about this week. None of it good. Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. I hate being right. Yeah, I hate being right. Like that's what, that's what, if Couch can pull up the audio, like that's was me and Sergio just saying, yeah, this is a trap game. Yeah, here we go. We'll, we'll do like the Wayne's Road. And then all of a sudden. Yeah. There we go. Especially for Juventus coming off a, a really, really good win against Lazio, you know, vibes are high, mood is high, you know, th- this feels like a, a bit of a trap game for you, but... Are you thinking potential trap game as well, Samuel? I kind of am. That's you being right, Sam. There we yeah. go. <laughs> Chucks, hello, Chucks. Hey, guys. Yeah, good to be here again to... Uh... Paraphrase, or not actually to quote uh, Al Pacino from uh, the great movie Donnie Brasco, you know, wise guy's always right, you know, even when he's wrong, he's right. So there you go. 
wasn't wasn't sure where you were going with that Al Pacino quote, but oh. I'm glad it was, <laughs> glad it was that one. Yeah, that's a great movie. Well, actually, the full quote is, uh, "Of course, I'm right. Wise guy's always right, even right. when he's wrong, he's right." Exactly. But, you know, so yeah, yeah, I pulled it together there. So, last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy happy to be here. And the pod is always not as happy uh, as last weekend, but you know. I'm sure we'll get to it uh, in a minute, but apparently it's it's tough to win football games when you give away three goals. So that's that's <laughs> that's tough. Apparently, it's a hard thing to do. So it's good to know. Well, Sergio, I'm going to pass it back to you, like Federico Gatti into the goal in the closing minutes. <laughs> so, what do you got for your takeaway from the week that was? This is going to sound weird, and and I understand that, but my biggest takeaway is that. That was a very fun loss. And and, and losing <laughs> is never fun. I, I get that. But there was so many interesting, not necessarily good, but a lot, a lot of interesting things to take away from that game outside of, of the result. And, you know, like I said, like it's very hard to win when you give away three, arguably four goals in a match. But th- there was a lot of interesting things, more from an individual standpoint, than than a team standpoint of, of things that kind of like made me you know relatively hopeful that this is just going to be one of those games in which everything goes wrong and you know everyone played bad and it is what it is and like sam and i said last week a trap game and it happens and you know move on but th- th- there was a lot of interesting good things that juventus did despite the fact that they lost uh or two so so i cannot honestly say that i had a good time watching yesterday's game like it was an interesting back and forth good game in which Juventus just managed to shoot themselves in the foot like a bunch of times but if we had to see the everything goes wrong game hopefully that was it hopefully that this is the one game that just everything went wrong and we can just you know bury the tape move on forget this ever happened but it was as interesting and as fun of a loss as I can remember seeing in in, in a while now, before your takeaway, Samuel, I have to ask, you kind of set your head backwards in what looked like somewhat agony. Was that because you're tired or was that because you're like, oh, my God, Sergio saying that was fun? No, it was it, it, it's it's a little <laughs> bit of I, I understand where he's coming from. And like maybe it's because I was watching it on a replay because it was my son's birthday party yesterday so I didn't watch the game live, that I was, I often have a very difficult time writing these recaps for games that we've lost because I get very, because I'm very angry. Yes. Usually, but I watched the replay, did not fast forward through the bad bits like you suggested in the Slack channel, Danny. I tried. Uh, I, I, hey, when I do something, I, I do not half-ass it. I whole-ass it. There we go. And um, <laughs> Whole-ass, the Sam Lepresti one. <laughs> it's a family show people's family show. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah the thing that got me was that you know it was, it was a little bit like the bologna game in that they went out and tried to do for the most part what we've been wanting to see out of them and it, you know with the exception of those first 10 minutes when you know rabio missed two really credible chances Vlaovic misjudged that that what would have been a free header off of that cross from Chiesa like six minutes into the game. You know, they they did really well for those first 10 minutes. And then just, you know, once Chesney made that first mistake, everything was was, a you know, everything kind of went haywire. So 
I, I think the biggest thing for me is that this was not everything went wrong, but it it left some room, unlike last year, where you know, when things went like the five one against Napoli, there were no positives to take out of that game. Period. End of story. But like Sergio said, you can take a few positives out of this. The question is, how do you digest that at Continasa in training and come out against Lecce? It's amazing that you're calling that that's going to be a third versus fourth and Lecce is the third. But um, early early season standings can be gotta funny. love those early season standings. Remember, remember last year when uh, I think it was Udinese was uh all was everyone was thinking Udinese might make a dark horse Champions League run because they were up around there by like you know by like yes. the end of October. Yes. Yeah, there 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 are things to take out of this game. This is not just an empty loss. The question is, will they? And we'll talk about that a little later, I guess. Yep. All right, Chucks, what you got? Well, I'm gonna make my second uh, Pep Guardiola reference in I think as wow. many episodes or maybe. Was it three episodes? I don't know when it was, but anyway, well, good old Pep always talks about how, uh, you know, he wants his defenders, well, his goalkeepers as well, but anyway, defenders uh, to be good with their feet on the ball. And, uh, well, I think, uh, I think we see why with uh, Gatti's fourth, the fourth goal that uh, Gatti uh, put into the wrong net. Uh, I guess that's why that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, Pep was right. After all, uh, you do want your uh, defenders to be good with the, uh, with the ball or with their feet on the ball, but in all seriousness, yeah, I think this is uh, this is one of those games where I think if we really, I think we had the general feeling just in the you know prior episodes and and just based on the season so far that okay this season might be different. You know, we we might you know be like just a solid team this year and really have made some improvements from uh, from last year. I think this game slash kind of the next game, the response in the next game, I should say, in the midweek fixture against Lecce will really show us if this season is different or if it's just we kind of flatter to deceive in the beginning uh, in the first few games. Really, it is like, I think for anything in life, but especially in football, um, your response to just a really freak loss just a just a freak loss just because of how the goals <laughs> happened you know just with so many individual errors i mean it has to be the one of the highest concentration of individual errors in one game that basically directly led to goals that i mean i can remember in a long time i mean that's again i mean like i said in the slack uh our slack chat i would argue all four goals were just direct individual errors and that's, I mean, uh, that is really extraordinary to have four individual errors leading directly to a game or to a goal in one game. That's, I mean, that is really, really a, uh, just a, a fluke or a freak incident in that in that sense. But yeah, I think the midweek game, that's what I'll be looking at as like, okay, is this year different in terms of how, are you, how we respond? You know, if, if we go back to a Lazio type of performance, then I'll say, okay, you know, we we have improved from last season in the sense that, you know, we took a bad game and just digested it and analyzed it and just, okay, put it away and move forward and really picked up again with a good form. Then I'll say, okay, you know, it's different from last year uh, versus if we just kind of trip and then just slide, <laughs> slide down kind of a negative uh, spiral, then uh, yeah, that will be very concerning uh, indeed. 
Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, since this comes out uh, on a Monday, you know, we're all interested to see what happens tomorrow against against Leche, the the suddenly Champions League spot Leche. And as I said, just freeze the standings right now because they're kind of, they're they're pretty funny. But that would also mean Inter wins the wins the title, so maybe not. But uh, I digress. Uh, obviously, Juventus's loss against Sassuolo saw, uh, as we've been saying, a few good things. Federico Chiesa continued his strong start to the season, and I think everybody can say that's a good thing considering where he was in his injury recovery at this point in the calendar last year. The not-so-good, <laughs> Bocek Chesney and pretty much everything outside of a couple saves he did, world-class saves he, he did in goal. Federico Gatti was having a terrible night before that own goal that will get millions upon millions of views on Twitter if it hasn't <laughs> already. And just... I don't know. It you know the the midfield was not great, and I mean it. It's just for as good. I going back to like last week against Lazio, where so many things went right, and then in this game, so many things went wrong, and so it's just I don't know, Sergio. It's just it feels like as much as there were some good things to happen against Sassuolo, like the fact that even though we're sitting here, you know the day the day after, and it was a four two loss, and it was very bad. They actually had a freaking chance to win this game. They did. And, and, and I think what uh, Sam said, it's so, I, I didn't, you know, make that link, but he is very right. And this was kind of like the, the same thing that happened with Bologna, right? Like in, in that the execution is not there. It's it, it was similar. Like they had a chance. Like I, I wrote about it for the graph back, but I, I forgot how many times they just had open links, open runs, and they just missed that last pass. They just had a bad cross. Like I remember very specifically in the second half, when when Sam Willing Jr. comes in, he makes a, a a fake. He tries to cross. You know, the defender bites on it. He has a wide open run into the box from the left left wing. All the time in the world to either pass, shoot, you know, do a good cross, whatever. And he just crosses it right outside, like nowhere even near any Juve player. And I think Team Wea had another one like that in the second half. Uh, Dusan Blachowicz, you know, Sam mentioned, you know, that that chance he has in the six minutes. You know, he has another one in the second half when he's just running right at the goalkeeper, just completely like wide open. And, and he misses, like he scuffs it to the right and, and he doesn't even put it on frame. When the last week he was, you know, scoring worldies like nothing. Like this, this that's the biggest problem of this team. It still is. It's it's execution. I think the, the tactics are, are are they're doing they're doing the same thing every single game, which I think is good. The system in, in a lot of ways is, is working. And and one of those, like you just said, like Federico Chiesa, that hybrid second striker, sort of do everything, do whatever you want role is working like he looks great he's doing very very well he has four goals in the season like when Allegri was saying early in when before the season started like he's going to score 15 this year he very well might I mean he scored he's playing really well so it's just a matter of and and like I said I wrote about it for a graph but it's just a matter of consistency and execution like I feel this team can beat anyone in the league and can lose to anybody on the league, <laughs> depending on whether or not they execute, they get that final pass right, they get that final run right. You know, they, they are clinical in front of goal. They have 15 shots, two were put on frame. Like that's that's just, you know, that's just a, a lack of, of execution from players. And 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 that's why I think we 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 all saw like a lot of positive things because they're still doing the things that we like about this team. 
But it, it's very different when you do it against Lazio and do some Blachowicz clinical and you actually finish those chances that when you that what we saw against Sassuolo, right? Like that you're still generating those chances. This is not the the anemic offense that we were seeing last year in which they were not even, you know, doing anything or generating anything. They're they're generating those chances. They're just not putting them away. And that's just a thing that that I think it has to come with with time, with hopefully development from a lot of the young guys and and you know finally executing those concepts. So I, that that's why I think we all kind of agree that there, there were good things, sure. Uh, but but you know it, it doesn't really matter when when you're not executing them, and that's not even talking about you know your goalkeeper you know imploding and in, in you know in what was easily his worst game as a Juve player. I don't know even his whole career. I didn't really follow him at Arsenal, uh, but at least with Juve, I, I can't really remember a worst game from 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 the keeper. The Udinese game two years ago. Yeah, I was thinking that one too, but th- I would argue oh, well, yeah. this one was probably worse. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with you on most of those things. However, and I wrote this in my recap, I'm not, you know, I'm ready to put the majority of the blame for this on the players. But also, I mean, you looked at these guys and you were seeing a check, a team that was kind of their heads were not where they were supposed to be. And that becomes a coaching issue. And Allegri even said in his post-match press conference, like, I was seeing warning signs of this all week. And like he said, he was trying to take uh, take measures to address it, but clearly that failed. It makes me want to know what's exactly going on in the back room, you know, to to let this team kind of live on. Like, you know, they were living on the Lazio game for the first part of this game. And then all of a sudden they kind of went, oh, <laughs> what's going on here? And of course, Walsh is, you know, Every keeper has those games. And and I actually wanted to ask you, Danny, yes. as our resident goalkeeping sage, yes. what what were your what were your thoughts about about those two issues? Like for like the first one, I the first one it almost looked like it dipped on him at the very last second. He still should he's that's still something that he needs to parry, but it almost looked like it dipped into the heel of his hands at the very last second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that ball was moving and you could tell as it got closer and closer to him, it was definitely going on a downward kind of you can tell by the way especially when they show the the camera from inside the goal that shot where you see how he's almost jumping up as the ball's getting to him like he basically was expecting the ball to kind of stay at the height that it started at and then obviously it went down and and then the view camera view from behind the shot also kind of shows you how the ball was moving in a not so normal kind of way. And I mean, dude struck it perfectly. I mean, obviously I'm not too familiar with, with him and his goals throughout the years, but it definitely was hit in a way that if it were to give Chesney trouble, you can understand it, but you still got to either catch it, parry it, something. Yeah. I feel like it was almost the same thing with the second goal as well. It almost looks like he overdove. Yeah. And the ball ended up in near his midriff instead of out to his front where he thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, as I think you said it, you know, Chesney has a game like this every season or two. And unfortunately, you know, this will now kick off, you know, put Padin in. He should be the yeah. starter uh-huh. because that is natural reaction. But as Max Allegri has done, and I, I mean, obviously it, it, 
I'm sure it is comforting to Shizny in a way that, you know, one of the first things he said yesterday was, hey, you know, Tech is still our starter. Um, and we saw a lot, you know, after m- mistakes last year, he went on to have a really good season. So I don't know. it That that first goal, especially, I mean, that was, he was in perfect position. It wasn't like he had to really move at all from where he was, you know, essentially stationed when the shot was first taken. But just, I feel pretty safe in saying that the movement on the ball just absolutely played every kind of bad role in how a guy is, if he's not jumping, it's basically going to essentially be right at his chest. And instead, it's kind of more towards his belly. And that wasn't good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, and you could say the third goal. Well, I mean, the third goal is also pretty. I mean, I don't want to say obviously, but, you know, the significantly also his fault with how he parried it right at uh, Pinamonte, was it? Yeah. Just basically the only place where you should not. Right. right which granted even the the third goal i would say gatti was also a little bit to blame for that because you know one of the i guess cardinal rules of the defender is that you know you should always show the attacker the most difficult route to goal which is usually you know the outside and he you could just see his body shape he was letting i think it was loyante go inside like kind of leading him to go inside which is you know the easiest path to goal and i gave him a pretty easy shot which then you know obviously resulted in a goal but that that frustrated me too is like come on you know you got to show you got to show the attacker outside like to the outside of goal and force him to go all the way around to get to goal so you know the path of most resistance is the least there but yeah you know like i said in my takeaway i mean it the fact that so many individual errors happened all in one game is you know i i don't want to just say like oh it was just a fluke it was just a you know it it happens but i mean this was extremely uh improbabilistic to have that many errors in one game and directly lead to goals i mean you know usually you kind of have a grace where it's like players make errors and then they'll lead to a significant chance or they'll lead to a chance that the goalkeeper actually uh, doesn't mess up, but you know, here it was just, I mean, a hundred percent, it really was just punished uh, pretty uh, ruthlessly. And, you know, it also made me actually think of last week's game against Lazio uh, because I mean, it wasn't so much errors there, but you know, the story of that game was little possession for Juve, but extremely efficiently used 
possession of the little, you know, possession we had here. It was similar ish in the sense that Sassuolo had, I think it was 42%, 42.7% ball possession. So, I mean, not, not hugely less, but I mean, you know, that's 15 percentage points or so less than we did and were extremely threatening um, on the break. They, yeah, it, it, it really was one of those games where most of the attacks that Sassuolo had, I just felt like they were really going to do something with it. Um, they had lots of like three on three or three V four, like this kind of attacks where you had a lot of one-on-one situations, which uh, I mean, it's those very dangerous uh, situations to, to especially have with, you know, dribbling uh, attackers who, you know, had the confidence in at least that game to take on, take on our defenders. So, you know, that was, that was also just well done. And, exa- and again, it was just, it, that was what we did last week. And, you know, that clearly, clearly worked, but you know, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny. We haven't, you know, talked about Allegri, which I mean, I think is fair in the sense that, you know, like Sergio said, I think we all get the feeling that we, for the most part, still follow the same game strategy, or at least try to follow the same game strategy as we have, well, as we did anyway against Lazio, and you know, as we have generally throughout the season so far. But you know, this was also just another reminder that a manager can only do so much. The manager can, you know, obviously set up the starting eleven, the tactics, general, you know, just mentality and feeling going into the game. But at the end of the day, it's it's the players that, you know, really execute the work. And obviously you have no control over uh, the fourth goal situation like that um, with uh, Chesney and uh, uh, Gatti. So uh, remarkably, uh, this is another game or another day where, uh, you know, like he gets some grace. And actually so far, he's we've actually so far this season, we haven't uh, talked too badly about him yet. Yet. So I'm sure that will come, though. But. But no, and rightly so. I think there was little you could do to control such a high volume of individual errors in one game. You know, I, I think something interesting that that I think you mentioned now that Charles mentioned Selegra and, and Sam made the, the mention of the mentality. I thought it was it was interesting because in, in the first half, when when you know right after Walsh, you know, make, makes that blunder and you're suddenly down one nil. I, I thought the team acquitted themselves pretty well at that point, at that juncture. I think they, they kind of took it on the chin and, and went on doing their own thing. And they actually equalized it within 10, 12 minutes. So I think I think they looked good then. I think it was the second goal. When they go down 2-1, you know, you the, the first half ends and you bring in, you know, the subs, which I think were, were good subs, you know, bringing in Ealing Jr. and Wes. I think that those were good moves. But I, I do think at that point, it became a little haywired. I, I think everyone kind of like went a little bit chaotic. And I wrote about this, especially with Chiesa, who I think we all agree had a really good game, but he had a very Chiesa-like good game in, in which he was doing the most at every moment. And and that was both good, I think, for the most part. It, it was good, but it, it also came with a lot of the things that, from the Chiesa of all, of some of the old criticisms in which he was just doing too much, I think, and, and he was, uh, you know, getting cheap, easy fouls against defenders in, in, in you know, balls that he had that he shouldn't even be you know fighting for you know the, i think the best example was you know there's this uh, clearance from sasuolo and he runs to the sideline and he tries to get the ball back uh so that it doesn't get go out of bounds slides makes a backward pass to nobody and just gives sasuolo a free run in, in a counter and it's like what are you doing like how why was that necessary 
And and obviously with Kiesa, like you take the good with the bad, and I think there's a whole lot more good than bad. But it, it felt to me like a little bit what Sam was saying, that the team was on tilt, I think, at that point. It's like we're losing 2-1. Time is ticking. We're not, you know, getting the equalizer. And I think they they, they didn't, you know, keep that cool mentality. I think they, they, there was no one on the field that was like, okay, chill, relax. Like, there's still time. We're still playing well. Like, the goal is going to come. Like, everyone was just on tilt, doing too, mu- doing too much. And, and I think that's... 100% what, what Sam was saying, the term of mentality. Like, I think you have to look at, is this a coaching thing? Is, it, is this a growing pains thing? Is this squad thing? Because it definitely looked like a team that was desperate, desperate to get that equalizer and not always in the good sense. Like, there was a sense of urgency, but of, like, way too much urgency. of just, like, doing a whole lot. And I think that kind of came in hand in hand with a lot of the mistakes and, and the flaws in execution. And, and I think that that's going to be, like Sam was saying, like if you take something from this and kind of bring it back to, to Continas and kind of think about it, okay, what do we need to improve? I think that's a huge thing that they need to improve. Like, okay, like don't overdo it. Like don't do too much. And and I think that was a big, big issue they had in the second half. Like they just, they were getting frustrated and it was showing and that affected the the, the performance 100%. Two quick things. There were more than a couple of Sassolo counterattacks, as Sergio mentioned in the second half, where you felt like there was almost like half the field that was wide open before you saw any real Juve players either trying to stop it or, <laughs> or coming close to a Sassolo player. Secondly, I can't believe we're a half hour into this thing and we haven't mentioned the should have been a red card on Domenico Bernardo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I and I think that we haven't mentioned it because the way we played just doesn't warrant belly aching over it so much because it, we were just so bad. But yeah, d- that should have been a red. <laughs> it, it it was dangerous. Studs the, the entire set of studs onto his shin pad, and I I get that. I think the the idea some of the idea behind it was that Berardi was Berardi wasn't like he didn't have his like leg full on locked. He was like, you know, it looked like he was almost trying to pull it back a little bit. Frankly, though, with Berardi's reputation, I was surprised that that nothing happened because, you know, Berardi is one of those forward is one of those weird forwards that just gets so many cards. I mean, especially when he not I mean he's 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 tamped that down a little bit as he's aged, but he every every once in a while he'll have one of those moments like this. But yeah, I I, I definitely think that should have been a red. But more so than, than anything with that, you know, I've been saying since we start since the season started and since this new more proactive form of playing became really apparent at Juventus, what happens to Max Allegri when this team gets punched in the mouth. Well, here's the punch in the mouth. <laughs> so watching what happens against Lecce and Atalanta later on over the weekend, that is going to be crucial to the rest of this season. Because if if they don't change anything and just keep going the way it's going, that's fine. That's good. If Allegri goes, screw this, we tried it, that was awful. Time to get back to to my basics. Then we're looking at a really long season and a season where our goals might not be realized. That is the biggest question for me this week. Is that coming? That decision that Allegri is probably making as we speak 
in his mind as the team, you know, preps for the for the Lecce game. I hope it's I hope he stays this course because if not, I don't want to I don't want to think about what's <laughs> going to be happening. Yeah, and and to Danny's point about the counterattacks, um, just about how threatening they were, um, I you know took a little peek at the positional uh, the player positions, the average player positions on uh, whoscored.com. And well, just on Juve's side, and this is a testament to just how Juve or Allegri has changed uh, the you know the way we play. It was basically a three-three-four uh, formation, <laughs> really, with just you know the three defenders, three midfielders, Chiesa and Vlaovic, and then McKenny and Kostic are so high up the pitch <laughs> that they're basically level with Chiesa and Vlaovic. It, well, actually, Chiesa is the furthest forward. Average position, anyway. Furthest forward of all Juve players. And then, yeah, I'll take Kostic is then the second highest up. So, you know, again, that is testament to just how the approach has changed. I mean... Are you trying to say Max is being like Pep Guardiola with a 3-3-4? Yeah, just without the uh, ball-playing wow. center backs. <laughs> just a slightly clumsier center backs uh, than, than Laporte. With a much, <laughs> much less of a roster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Federico Gatti's not quite uh, Ruben Diaz, but uh, no. yeah, you know, you know, getting there, getting there. Uh, you know, poor man's, uh, <laughs> poor man's Ruben Diaz. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, no, uh, he's obviously he had a he had a nightmare, but you know, you're talking back. about cost. You were talking about Kostic, but I I felt absolutely nothing happening from him in that first half before he was replaced. No, I can't. I honestly was sitting there, probably midway through the first half, like what. What has he done? I mean, there yeah. are a few times where he's like, okay. I mean, he had, he attempted one cross. Philip Kostic is the guy who, you know, basically wakes out of bed and is crossing the ball. He w- one one cross. Yeah, yeah, if he doesn't cross, like he's he's useless. I mean, not not to be you know too harsh on a guy, but like that's his thing. Like that's what he does. Like if he's not doing that, I just don't see what he brings to the table. Uh, more than say Ealing Jr. or Cambiaso. For, for Ealing Jr., I thought was you know significantly more dangerous in his time on the field and and actually played pretty well defensively too. Like that uh, that Chiesa back pass to no one. It, it it wasn't a goal because of that because of Ealing Jr. making a, a massive sprint and a defensive effort to kind of like slide tackle at the very last second to avoid the goal. Uh, I, I thought he was really, really good. And, and to me, kind of like made his case to, you know, become a little bit more than just, uh, you know, the super soft type of guy and actually start getting some real starter minutes. I thought he was by far the the, the best player in that left wing for events today. Uh, to be 19 and have fresh legs like that, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I could run like that. <laughs> I never could. I could never run like that. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> Well, not like not. I, I was never running at that at that pace, but just to like be able to to be able to go all out and then like not need the next fifteen minutes to recover. Hey, man, it's never too never too late to hit those PRs again, man. Hit, right. hit those personal records, man. That's right. Next thing we see, Sam and Julian out at the park, just running forty <laughs> yard sprints back and forth for. I mean, it's basically a 40-yard sprint to try to keep up with the dude when he's decided to start going on See? zoomies anyway. There, so. there you go. There's your start. There's your start. Those quick twitch muscles. There you go. Yeah. Uh, shall we 
do we have anything else to say about this or shall we go into uh thankfully a, a nice a nice round of twitter questions as we uh as we get the old account yeah. unlocked by old elon yay I, one thing i wanted to say actually was nicola fajoli looked a lot better yesterday than he did the rest for a lot of his other previous performances this season it finally looks like he's getting a little bit back into the groove and a little bit and a little bit more confident and healthy yeah that was nice to see yeah yeah just getting that fitness back up and you know getting match fit again i would not be surprised to see him starting over over Miretti on on tuesday and i think that that's probably the the state of affairs that's the way the state of affairs ought to be yeah, I mean, Mac, Mac said it before the Sassuolo game that squad rotations are coming. And, uh, I mean, this is really one of the few midweek games in the first half of the season. So you might as well rotate a little bit because there's no use, especially with, you know, no no offense to Lecce and the, the bright start to the season they've had. I mean, the bigger game is on the weekend against Atalanta. So, yeah, set up your team for, for that. and. Obviously, hope for, <laughs> hope that nothing bad happens against Lecce. I, I, I just have another takeaway, and I, and I wanted to to get your your guys' input on this. You know, we and, and I count myself. I think we all wanted to to see a lot of these young guys get shots and get developed and, and everything. And while I think I do think it's good, and I do think it's it's a thing that you need to do. I, I do think this type of games are kind of the the type of games that you know. The, the downside of starting young guys and the, st- the downside of kind of like giving, you know, such a big responsibility to youngsters, which you have to do. And it's called growing pains for a reason. But I do think that, for example, you know, bringing in Illing Jr., who I thought was good, but, you know, where, you know, all of these guys, which is a clearly developing roster, I also thought that it didn't help with that second half being so haywire and so untilt and so out of control because, I do think that's what you get with a veteran player and a veteran presence. Like those, you know, they, they kind of try to slow the game down for, for these guys. And and I just thought that, you know, when we talked about, I think last season, it's like, you know, why don't we give more chance to these guys? They should be giving those chances. And I'm not advocating for them to get benched and bring in, you know, whoever retreat. Like that's not what I'm advocating for. But this is the type of games that you're just going to have to live with. And especially when your actual veterans, like not to bring in, you know, Chesney again, but when your actual veterans are, are you know, screwing the pooch, you know, the youngsters are, are you know, they're also going to, you know, kind of like get that, you know, they're going to be shook. And and they, they look shook in, in a lot of those you know, definitions and all of those movements and, and the little finer things. And I just thought that was a, a noteworthy thing that, listen, this team has a lot of potential and a lot of young guys, and you're just going to have to to live with a lot of those games, I guess, and a lot of those performances. It's part of the deal, but I, I do think it's a, it's a thing that's worth it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. Shall we go to Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. All right, since we haven't said his name in quite a few weeks, it feels like, let's go to David Desberg at the True ROEC. We get a few of these wild performances from Chesney, but is it time for Juve to start looking for a long-term future at the keeper position? I mean, not necessarily based on this game. Not not based on this game, but when does when does Chesney's contract expire again? Uh, I believe it's 2025, but there are so reports. So after next year. 
there are reports that they might add on a year to it to spread out his salary. Hmm. You know, it's kind of the new, the new in vogue thing that it seems like you might be trying to do with a lot of you with most of Juve's either higher paid players or older players, even though they're learning that from Chelsea. <laughs> that's right. And we all see how well that's going so far. Yeah. I learned that from, from American sports, frankly, yeah. I mean, you no, see yeah. some of the absurd contracts that contract links that, Look at my team getting given <laughs> thirteen year, eleven year contract. Well, Todd Bowley probably learned it from good old Todd. I, I but I do think that because you know it's not necessarily going to be Pedin long term. Pedin would be a medium term plan at best, just because of his age, which I think is why you've seen us seen the team linked with guys like um, like Marco Kaniseki so much in the last transfer window or two. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it's time to maybe put a pop, a, a successor in there, you know, really look at, at a guy that would be in there for the next eight, 10 years, just because of the ages of your top two guys now to at least start initiating that process. But it's not a question of, Oh God, Chesney had one bad game. Let's get the future in here. It's more just of an overall sense of, it's probably getting to be time to to at least explore that anyway. Yeah, I completely completely agree with that. Uh, nothing really to add. I mean, good thing with goalkeepers is you can kind of stretch stretch them a little further age wise. I mean, you know, he's thirty three, so you can you can kind of push that a few years. Still, you can push them to I don't know thirty six, thirty seven, still at least. So gives you some time, but definitely the planning process for that has to. I mean, I'll bloody well hope that that's already started <laughs> um because you know it's 30 again 33 i mean you have i mean i would say you have like what a year to get like a young keeper you can kind of test out and then give him like another two years or so to get kind of you know up to speed and then the third fourth year chesney should i mean i don't know by that time likely have retired or so um, and then the second that new keeper would be ready. So, I mean, that, that type of succession planning, that's what you would hope uh, in any business, mind you, um, you would have hope to have that in place. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I have no, nothing more to add. It's just, you know, I, I do think we, and, and I know I've said this before, but I, you know, we, we got spoiled with so many years of, of great goalkeeping and, you know, Walsh has a very, very high bar to clear, which he won't clear because no one could have cleared that, that bar that, that Buffon set for what a Juventus keeper is, you know, supposed to be. So, you know, I think more often than not, he's a great keeper. Is he bound? Yes. I think every keeper, like Sam said early on, every keeper does. It's obviously wise to start planning for the future. And if you can get a young, you know, prospect to start learning ropes and, and looks to you know take the starting role in a couple of years I'm, I'm all for it but unless there's a immediate really really high level upgrade which i just don't see i, I think we're still still your your best choice at this moment should you plan for future future yes because you should you should always be doing that uh but but at the moment i i wouldn't consider benching him just because he had the one bad game you know that that is the short end of the stick that Woj drew in taking the the responsibility of being the guy that follows Gianluigi Buffon. I wrote about this years ago. We want Gigi. There isn't going to be a Gigi, not for another generation or two, <laughs> if ever. 
you know, he is the greatest man that has ever, he is the greatest player that has ever played the goalkeeper position, period, end stop. So it's an impossible standard for him to live up to when, you know, a, a few mistakes here or there are instantly pounced on just because Gigi never, you know, hardly ever made them. Gigi had, you know, his one howler every two years and ever, everything else was just impeccable because he was Buffon. And no one is going to be Buffon for a very long time, if ever again. So it that that's all. There's always, I think, a, a you know when when people start calling for for his head, there's always that that unfairness in that you know they're expecting something that they just can't expect from any goalkeeper. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Indeed. All right. Next question here. We'll switch over to Instagram from English.Juventino. Hi, I listen to the old lady speaks every week and I really enjoy it. So thank you. You're welcome. I have a question. This is not a criticism. However, you have been quite critical of Max Allegri last season and this preseason. So how much credit does Max deserve for Juve's current form and league position, bearing in mind that we have only bought one player in Tim Weah during the summer? That seems very pointed at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to start that one. Question so. for Sam. Yeah, I was going to say. No, I mean, like I said, like I said earlier on, uh, earlier on today, a lot of the answer to that question to me is going to come this week. You know, if if because if we're still playing the proactive type of football with this press, you know, trying to make things happen, trying to push leads, trying to push for bigger leads instead of just getting one goal and and saying, all right, that's cool, job done. If we keep seeing that, then I am prepared to say, yeah, Max was able to, to change again. He was able to do it. But if we start seeing Corto Musso again, then you have to start wondering if if that first those first couple of games were maybe in spite of him and Max was kind of doing this kicking and screaming and and decide and you know then decided to to go back to what he he liked to do because he didn't think it was working based off of you know one shot so i, I you certainly give credit for making that change to start the year but the full credit has to come when the change if the change is permanent and so that's why, like I said earlier in this in this show, this week is very, very important when it comes to making uh, coming up with an answer to that question. hundred percent. I agree in the sense that, that this team has looked very different so far in the season. I think, you know, we've talked about 
the the shortcomings that the still this team still has in terms of squad build, but it just feels like it makes a lot more sense on the field with what they're trying to do and the players they have, and, and a lot of that has to go with with Allegri. But I think at the end of the day, it, it's going to be like Sam said, like what do they do now that they got their first loss? If if that changes, I don't think it will. I think they've they've shown enough so far to to at least think that they won't. Obviously, whatever Max Allegri does is, is what he's going to do, but I do think he's going to stick with it, and and it's paying you know results. Uh, it, to me. And, and I think I've defended uh, Max Allegri more than, than most, but this season he has to be competing for, for a title. It, it it doesn't even matter if he wins. Well, it does matter if he wins. Obviously, if he wins, it's better. But he, they at least have to be in, in contention for something, for a league, for a cup, uh, for something they have to be in contention because as for a club like Juventus being two years uh, you know, with no silverware and not even close to sniffing silverware, it's just it's just not good enough. So I'm not ready to really say like, oh, Max Lee has turned a corner in because at the end of the day, if you're playing pretty or playing ugly, if you're not winning, it doesn't really matter for a club like Juventus, or it shouldn't matter at least. So I'm not quite ready to give him props. Like I think the question is like, how much props do you give him for this relatively good start of the season? It's been better. I give him props because it's been better. I'm not really willing to give him props and be like oh yeah max is back un- until this team is once again competing for for titles i understand that i i don't think we're the best team in italy like we used to be like i don't think we are that at this point but we are good enough that we should be at least competing we should be at least in a coppa italia final like we should be going into the final 10 match days within a shot of of that first place and that's something that they just haven't done and until they can do it under Max Allegri, it doesn't really matter if it's if it's defensive, if it's offensive, if it's good, pretty, if it's ugly. They haven't done that, and until they do it, I'm, I'm just not really going to give him that that many props because the bar is high for Juventus, and and they need to be in that. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. Um, I think to directly answer the question, I think we can give him credit for this start to the season, indeed, so far, but it's been what five games so you know he can't conclude too much from that or make too much too much of a long-term conclusion from that um you could also argue really which i'm sure sam will enjoy hearing um that yes we can credit allegri for the start to the season but it's almost like he's playing a style of play that finally brings out the best in the players so it's like the players were all always capable of this i guess they just needed right system i guess to to have that happen so which yeah i would probably argue that actually (laughs) you know i i don't really enjoy bashing like i don't enjoy bashing anyone really but uh that's it's hard to really uh reject such a conclusion so yeah you can find chuck's burner account tweeting nothing but allegri out (laughs) every day all day her day all day that's that's the kids say (laughs) <laughs> next twitter question here from at kevin westlife how can we realistically find a backup for locatelli before the winter transfer window see if you can terminate the loan deal with lazio for <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> I, I, I have no idea he said before the transfer window or like yes basically is there an in-house option i'm guessing uh, okay to say that. Mm-hmm. gosh i don't know 
I don't know. I mean, hell, isn't our former uh, future captain, your boy Chucks, Matthias Delict, hasn't he been experimented as a midfielder by Tommy Tactics? Oh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe go the Danilo route. I don't know if the defenders can actually stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I don't know, really. I really don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think who could, yeah, who could replace him there. I mean, well, I mean, with the lift, anyway, of course, if you're beating Team 7 0, you could put, I mean, you could put, uh, I don't know, Alfonso Davies as a striker, and, you know, uh, <laughs> you'll be all right. Yeah, I don't really know what the, the idea is, because, I mean, it's a good point. Uh, Locatelli's going to need a rest or something, at least at some point. So, yeah, who do we play instead of him? Um, there, I will just go ahead and I'll I'll throw it out there because I have a feeling Sam would that Allegri has in press conferences thrown out the idea that Nicolo Fajoli can play in front of the defense. I don't know if we really want him to, but considering that he's very good midfielder going forward, but I don't know. That seems like where Max is thinking. If there was an alternative to to Locatelli, it could be Fajoli. Yeah, I'd really rather not have that indeed. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be. <laughs> At the very least, when Allegri said that, he said, but yeah, that's not where he should be. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's the thing is that, you know, sending Baranakea to, to Frosinone, which was a good thing for him, but especially sending Rovella to, to Lazio, because I was thinking about this the other day, because I'm thinking if, if Locatelli gets hurt, what do you do? Do you start playing a double pivot? Do you, you know, what's the, what, what, what's the, what is the backup plan here? So yeah, I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised if they, you know, tried to come up with something really cheap in the winter to maybe put a little bit of depth in that spot. Because yeah, after Locatelli, I just don't see that there's very much there. I guess a stopgap measure would indeed be Danilo or. Maybe Rabio, but uh, Rabio is the regist of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Danilo would probably be the most, the best, considering the circumstances. You're the agent of chaos, Sergio. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think Fajoli. That's that's the move. That's the answer. I think you know, trying out there. Uh, no, it, it just it doesn't. They, they don't have anyone. They don't have anyone. <laughs> they have Baranichea. <laughs> They had Baranichea, who was fine, and I think he's doing okay at Frosinone. I, I wouldn't, you know, try to look to terminate his his loan deal or anything. Um, you know, maybe well, isn't Hans uh, Nicolucci? Isn't he like a center midfielder? I'm, I'm not yeah. really sure. Uh, I, I think that's that's the guy that you'd be looking at. But yeah, if Locatelli can't go, they're they're screwed because. Uh, we've seen, you know, the, the problem is that we've seen it. Like we've seen Rabio in that double P, but he, he, he does not work there. <laughs> like we've seen it. He's not good there, you know, and, and it's trying to take, a, like like you guys said, like a Fagioli or Amiretti and trying to make him something he's not really good at. So, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen because I do think they're screwed. I do think Danilo is their best chance, their, their best chance. And I don't think Danilo is all that good as a central midfielder. I really don't. So, Hopefully that doesn't that doesn't come to be. But if you're looking for something, yeah, I agree with Sam. I think the best best move is look for something cheap in the winter transfer window. Someone who's fallen out of favor. Someone like say Denny Sakaria, like not him necessarily, but a move like they did with him at that time, right? Like a a guy whose contract is expiring and you can get him for relatively cheap. But other than that, I just I just don't really see anyone else who could do that job. All righty, next question here from 
at Bachisavi. Can we survive with three at the back? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That was just one bad day. I think that, you know, last year, this particular lineup of Gatti, Bremer, and Danilo showed themselves pretty effective. I think we just, you know, everyone just had multiple stinkers. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Agree. I, th- I think this was just one of those, like I said, like, you know, burn the taste, pretend it never happened and move on. I, I just don't think, you know, I think we've seen enough from guys like Woj, like Gatti, that, that you know, you know that they're good. You know that they just had a bad game and it happens and they'll learn from it and move on. But so far, I mean, they had, I think, what, the second best defense coming into this game or the third or the best defense, I don't know, uh, in the league before coming into this game. So like I think Chuck said, like it's it's unlikely that everyone place a neck this bad at the same time so i wouldn't i wouldn't go throw away any information or you know blowing everything up because you had one bad game i agree yeah all right we'll wrap things up on on this one uh from at pete fry one given the game management chasing the win after the equalizer that was against the run of play woge's bloopers the overall mediocrity is it fair to blame federico gotti as much as we seem to considering that he's the young center back who's only gotten into the team. And I will add, Federico Gatti is young in terms of Serie A experience. Federico Gatti is 25 years old, so he's not necessarily young like Nicolo Fagioli or Fabio Maretti is young. Yeah, I think that that there is a fair amount of blame to put on Gatti for his mistakes in this game. Like you said, Danny, it was not just the own goal. He was having a bad day. Uh, it was his pass that got intercepted to set up Berardi's goal. He was losing balls a lot. He was not defending particularly well. You know, he'd try to clear the ball. He'd, he'd pop it up or he'd, he'd you know, kind of shank it. Everything just was was off for him yesterday. It was, you know, very much the your proverbial terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I, I expect him to pick himself up after this, and I, I don't expect to see something this bad again at least not for a while, but there's a lot of blame for Gatti to shoulder right now. But at the same time, it was just a, the question is right in that there was a universal egg laid, but Gatti was a big part of the egg. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. I mean, again, this is part of a player's development. Um, You know, it's all about how you respond to such pretty pretty bad um games and you know we'll see if he has what it takes to just respond positively i don't think allegri would drop him i mean some coaches would like you know give the player like a game off just to kind of get him away from the limelight after something like this i, I mean i don't imagine he will but that might help just to you know the thing give him is some if time. he does that means it's dean hoisten time because sandro's out yeah. hey Lugani, <laughs> or rugani man. or rugani i man, rugani you heard it here first, MVP, Ballon d'Or, yeah. player of the year. Sergio's been telling you stuff to say, hasn't he? Uh, what can I say? It's, uh, you know, he makes a persuasive argument, uh, Sergio. You know, <laughs> some players, you know, makes a strong case. I, I honestly, at this point, I like Daniel Rugani. Like, he is what he is. Like, he's a, a yeah. perfect, you know, four-choice center back. Good in the locker room. Whenever he needs to step up, he does, and he's good. He's not great, but he's good. Yeah, I, I actually feel pretty... I feel more confident if, if for whatever reason they, they decide to sit Gotti, which I agree, I don't think they will, even though he had a pretty bad game, but I don't think he would. they will. 
if they do, I'd actually feel a lot more confident in Drugani being out there than Alexandro, who is not even an option. Like I said, it's hurt. But Drugani is is fine. I hope he's in Soviet 2.0. He's with the team for the next like eight years or something. <laughs> Well, that seems like a perfect place to wrap things up for this week. Uh, just a heads up, no midweek episode with there being a midweek game. A little little too much going on for that, so we'll be coming to you guys uh, again next Monday. So uh, if you all want to send us your Twitter questions, you can do it at the main account that you've been doing for years now, at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. We got it unlocked, and we're back to posting nonsense on there. So. Uh, hooray hooray you can also follow uh, fans first sports network on twitter at fans first sn uh, you can follow them on their website fans first sports network where you can get all of your nba mlb nhl nfl all that good stuff uh, <laughs> whatever your sports du jour might be you can Follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as I said, feel free to uh, bless us with a five-star rating to help the algorithm gods shine a light. Oh, can I uh, make a quick thank you? I, I hate yes. to cut your cut your your vibe as, yes. the, as the lingo goes. But uh, yeah, thank you to all listeners for making us the most popular soccer podcast for the month of August on FS. FN, right? Um, did yes. I say that correctly? Yes. Yes. FFSN. Yes. So we were the most uh, popular soccer podcast in August on the Fans First Sport Network. So that's right. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Right. And uh, yeah, keep listening. Yes, right. We appreciate that. Hopefully uh, that continues and we continue to have bragging rights over our friends who do the Roma podcast. So thank you again. Thank you for saying that, Chucks, because it completely. Yes. Uh, slipped my mind to mention it this week. So that being said, for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio and producer Kaus, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys again next week.